episode today we are going to do our recap two up two down from the Chiefs game can't wait to get into that and then we're also going to talk a little bit about the upcoming game against Buffalo now before we introduce our guest today make sure you are following us on TikTok you're following us on Instagram at winging.ic.pod you're following us on YouTube you're following us on Apple SoundCloud Spotify and soon enough new platform out there Lockerverse. We may talk a little bit about what Lockerverse means coming up later in the episode. Um, since it is going to be a recap and looking forward episode today, I want everyone to give a special uh, winging it round of applause for my man, Eric. Eric, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How you doing, man? Good, man. How's everyone doing? How are you guys doing? We are doing good, good man. Brother. So... Eric, Eric is an awesome asset to the podcast. So if you're seeing any dope visual content, Eric is a professional videographer, director. He shoots some pretty cool commercials for some well-known universities. Uh, he has his own side practice where he helps uh, uh, create video content. He's done wedding content. He's done music videos. He's created music. He's produced music. And I've had the honor of knowing this guy for the last uh, 10 or so years of my life. Um, it's just really awesome to have you here. Avid Birds fan. Um, really happy to have you on the podcast, Eric. What did you think about the Chiefs game last week? How you feeling this week? Oh, man, you put me on the spot right away, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, so the Chiefs game was a, it was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster. Um, I, I, was, I was at the edge of my seat the whole time. I was upset with the Birds the whole time. Even when we were winning, I didn't feel like we were winning. You know, I'm sure everybody felt that way, too. Um, but I mean, I have my takeaways from it. I have my, my emotions about it. Um, I'm just happy we left Arrowhead with a dub. So, I mean, that, that's, that's what matters the most, you know, when we on to the next week. So, yeah, I hear that. Ali, how was it all the way up there in Minnesota? What were your, what were your immediate reactions from the game? Uh, my immediate reactions is I didn't need to work out on Monday night because, uh, my heart rate got up there quite a bit. Um, no, this game actually reminded me of the Colts game from last season where we were down pretty much the entire time all the way until the end when we took the lead. And, and honestly, there's obviously we're going to, we're going to go through, through what went right and what went wrong. Right. But there is a lot that went wrong. Um, but thankfully we, uh, we have the talent and frankly, the leadership, uh, that was able to, to pull us out of a pretty tight situation. Yeah, it was definitely something that um, we definitely need to discuss. So uh, let's get into our first segment. Andrew, I'm going to want you to Hi, everyone. To How's everyone up. doing? <laughs> hey, it's good to talk to everyone. Uh, Andrew, let's get over to you for two up, two down, and kick us off with your ups. Alex and Andrews, two up, two down. All right, let's get into it. 
my two ups. D Swift and D Smith. <laughs> DeAndre Swift was arguably the he carried this team, honestly. If it wasn't for him, I don't there there really were not any explosive plays by our offense other than the deep ball to Devontae Smith. Um but DeAndre Swift <laughs> DeAndre Swift is just so good. And, you know, there were a couple plays at the beginning of the game where he's spinning off tackles and he's and he's extending these runs, second efforts. He scored the first touchdown of the game. Um, so we'll leave it. I'm going to leave it at that because I'm going to keep it positive. So DeAndre Swift balled. He had uh, it almost kind of remind me of Brian Westbrook, how he was just getting these these little dump off passes and finding some blocks. And then he would shoot down the field for 30, 40 yards. So great, great play. Uh, great, you know, great game for for DeAndre Swift. Um, and then secondly, Devonte Smith. Look, I didn't realize that you know even going coming into last week, I didn't realize how good the Kansas City Chiefs defense was, uh, only giving up 16 points per game. But then I looked at all of the number one receivers that have gone against the Chiefs, and they've held everyone in check. So leading into this game, I didn't think AJ Brown was gonna was gonna get it done. Devonte showed up. He made a huge catch where you know obviously right before the goal line, and we tush pushed in. But then you see the other side, right? You see the other team. You see Valdez Scantling, who fails to make a big catch at the end of the game that arguably could have won that game for them. So this, again, just goes to show you that it's okay if you take out our number one option. And we also, we didn't have Dallas Goddard either. And and with all that, we still managed to win the game. Uh, Kansas City did a lot to give the game to us, but... Look, guys, it's like, oh, my God, this gauntlet. Oh, my God, it's so painful. How are we going to beat all these? Fuck, you know, screw this gauntlet. Sorry, I almost, I almost completed the <laughs> – screw this gauntlet. The NFL sucks. If the, if the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the NFL and their players are dropping passes, and it's like no one is that good. The Eagles are that good. We're 9-1. 9-1 just feels good to say. So those are my ups. I'm gonna, I'll pass it over to you. You know, Drew – I couldn't agree with you more on Devonte Smith, right? And like, I love Arthur Juan Brown Sr. and his his tear that he went on in the middle of the season. But what happened to get to that state? He had to have a spat, a public spat with Jalen Hurts on the sideline to speak his displeasure about not getting the ball. And in that six game span, who has been quiet and producing that entire time? It was Devonte Smith. To your point about Marquez Valdez-Scanling, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time moments. And Devontae Smith, in my mind, is that big-time player who time and time again continues to make the big-time plays for us and is so humble throughout his how he approaches this game, how he approaches this team and this offense. The guy produces. Granted, he may be upset, right, because he's not getting all of the, the balls that are going to A.J. Brown, but the guy is a sure-handed, frankly, one of the best weapons that I've seen in a long time on this team. Um, and I couldn't be happier that he's on our team. And We're completely spoiled. Agree we on, really are. Uh, yeah. Completely, completely spoiled. Like when, when they say we have two number one receivers, like Devontae, that's not hyperbole. Devontae Smith is a number one receiver anywhere he goes. Amen. Eric, what do you think? So, so my question for you real quick is, uh, you mentioned the whole A.J. Brown, you know, kind of showing his emotions and going back and forth with Jalen Hurts on the sideline. Do, is, do you see that as a negative or a positive? 
No, no, no. I, I, I see that as a positive, right? I think okay, a, okay. a wide receiver, especially a, 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 again, like he is a completely different breed of wide receiver and he mm-hmm. absolutely deserves the ball in his hands. But yeah. there is a, a level of respect that I have for a receiver who's willing to speak his mind and say, hey, I need the ball more. And there's also a level of respect I have for the other side of that, which is a receiver who quietly produces and shows up in the biggest moments of the game. And and I, I can't be happier with, with, with both of them. I respect that. I, I see both sides. Um, I mean, I've been on social media the last two days and reading, like, of course, anytime A.J. Brown opens his mouth on the sideline, it's front page news and everybody's like, oh, why are they arguing? There's, there's just, Everybody wants there to be an issue between him and Hurts, I feel like. And I think that's just the way they communicate. Like, everybody knows A.J. Brown wears his heart on his sleeve. He's very emotional. He's very high energy. He cares that much about it. And then, you, like you said, we have Devontae, who's a lot more chill, calm, collective, will wait for his time to come. And and um, I think once they get back into the locker room and they watch the footage, that's when, like, A.J. Brown, like, oh, I see what you mean, or or I can see this or that. And that's why their relationship is just that way. Um, but I personally love the fact that A.J. Brown speaks that way on the sideline because you show that at least we have uh, players who care. You know what I'm saying? You can't, yeah, you can't deny his passion. And, like, that's what exactly, you want out of your yeah. players. You don't, you you don't want a, it to yeah. stem further than that, but. <laughs> Yeah, and you have a guy who just went like six games straight, 125 plus to like eight yards. Like that's really hard to feel like you're the number one contributor to like, man, I'm not, I'm not doing enough to get my team to where we need to be for this game, you know. And thankfully, they still got it done. But like you said, Devontae Smith, we're lucky to have two number one receivers on the team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when one's is tied up with Snead or something, we have the other one over here that can make more plays for us, and that's why we have what we have, and and that's why we are who we are, you know. We're not All right, Alex. Yep. <laughs> what are your t- now, what are the two ups, Alex? Yeah, totally totally agree with uh, everything you guys said. Um, that catch by Smitty, man. Apparently, Hertz actually audibled into that play. Uh, so apparently, he saw a a break in the defense and said, "Hey, we're going to go with this," which is awesome just to see again Jalen Hertz in a big role, leadership role, highest QBR in the league, playing from behind and making a huge play there. Um, I'm actually going to mention a player for one of my first ups as well. And he goes by the name of Jason Kelsey. Uh, Jason Kelsey had himself a day. Now Hertz did get sacked five times. Kelsey did get beat on a few of those balls, but there was something about him coming into Arrowhead, never beating his brother where he took control of that game. I'm sure you guys have all seen the clips of where Jalen Hurts is calling for a play and Kelsey's like, "Uh uh-uh. No, we're running this way or we're running left. And maybe that was scripted misdirection. I could totally see Nick wanting to do something like that, like show confusion on the line. Um, That one uh, DeAndre Swift play where he bounced to the outside. I'm like, who is this dude that just ran? Who was that block? I'm like, yo, that was that was Kelsey that is running up the field stride and stride with the running back. And he's able to 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 get them down. So um, I'm I'm question to you guys if jason kelsey when he retires there's only a few people that are going to be on the philadelphia eagles mount rushmore is jason kelsey on that mount rushmore of elite philadelphia athletes or are we paying a little bit more attention to him now because of this whole thing with his brother and taylor swift and you know the show and the podcast and everything that they have but do we actually think he is one of the greatest athletes to ever come through Philadelphia? I'm curious in your guys' answers. I'll throw it to Eric before I chime in. Um, he's on the Mount Rushmore for sure. I, I mean, I got to say that. But to play devil's advocate, like I understand he's one of your 
two positive or uh, two ups, but I don't think he had as much of a night as you say he did. Mm. Um, and um, I like from what Whoa. I saw, man, our, our our offensive line and our defensive line got destroyed most of the game. Not not, but at the same time, when they did come up big, they came up big. You know, what I'm saying like I seen Kelsey pull. I don't know. I never see centers pull the way he pulls to block for someone like Swift on the outside who's running a sweep or a, or a, or a, a stretch play or something like that. But um, I, I saw Kelsey on his, on his butt a lot. I saw they gave up five or six sacks. Like mm-hmm. Hertz was on the ground, was getting destroyed most of the game, you know, like he, so I, I, I really think we got exposed, but at the same time, I'm happy we got exposed because now we can go back to the tape and really kind of do some fine tweaks going into this hard stretch with the bills and the Cowboys and the Niners, you know? Um, I, but yeah, I think, I, I think he struggled. I think you can make a case for Jason Kelsey to be on the Eagles Mount Rushmore. I don't know if he would be in the Philadelphia, like all of Philadelphia Mount Rushmore. The thing with Jason Kelsey is he gets so much love and attention and like, well, we, we view him as this like local superstar. A lot of it is because of that Mummers outfit and the speech that he gave after the Super Bowl. So even just winning a Super Bowl in general, I mean, for the same reason that we Nick, Nick Foles will live in this lore forever. Jason Kelsey will always be remembered for that Super Bowl because of that speech that he gave afterwards. Then you you, you tie in the connection with his brother, who had a definitely had a worse of the two Kelseys, definitely had the worst game. Travis had some drops and he fumbled the yep. ball. Um, and now Jason Kelsey's like, what is he like? He's in the sexiest man alive contention. He's like on a magazine cover as like the sexiest man. So like they're doing documentaries what? on him. It's just it's it's hard. It, it's hard to get attention as a center. So God bless this man for 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 taking this unsexy position and becoming such a superstar. So like it's a great question, Alex. Ali, what are your what's your opinion? I, I couldn't agree more, Drew. Like he you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of the story of Vince Papali. He is everything that you would think about as a a, a homegrown Philadelphian who's this rough and tough blue collar, but the, the sort of mentality is the same, right? Like you, you had a, a a humble beginnings. You're kind of this like grinded out down and dirty blue collar personality. And that's what he portrays. And I think that's the appeal that the Eagles fans have. Have you seen his? Have you seen his house and like the Kelsey documentary? He has a very modest lifestyle still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's one of those things where I I agree, Drew, that he is a Philadelphia Mount Rush like face on the Philadelphia Mount Rushmore of like athletes of Philadelphia, but I wouldn't consider him, number one. I wouldn't consider him the sexiest man alive. Gross. Um, he just <laughs> that's just what the people are saying. Yeah, you're straight, Ali. So I don't. Well, he's a finalist. He's not a sexiest man alive. He, he's yeah, he's just got like he's really bushy eyebrows. His beard is just like scraggly. I I don't know like what people like anymore. Here I am, Mister. You know, I've I haven't. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you need to stop waxing your eyebrows, Drew. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I I just I think he is he is getting the right amount of attention given exactly what you said. It is hard to get attention as a center, as an offensive lineman. Um, so he is, it's, it's odd, but I don't think he deserves to be called like one of the greatest athletes in, in sports or frankly, in even Philadelphia sports. I think he's, he's an honorable mention, but to your point, Eric, like I couldn't agree more. Like it, he, he got rocked like five mm. sacks in the first half. I, I, I just wouldn't call him an up. 
it's funny. I I feel like most people don't know who their starting center is. Like most casual fans, every other fan base knows who the Philadelphia Eagles starting center is. Maybe I'm bought into a little bit of the storyline. Like I definitely even admitted at the beginning of that that Kelsey did struggle. Um, but at the end of the day, the offense did help to pull it out. It was the first time the Kansas City Chiefs have ever lost at home at Arrowhead in November. Kelsey had some wonderful blocks, calling the shots, came out with passion, walked into the game with flip-flops, walked out of the game with the same <laughs> flip-flops he had on. I know he was put on his ass. I think Lane Johnson also got exposed that game too, and I think our, o- our O-line did have a lot of issues that game, but I think Kelsey had a hell of a game, and I was watching for him, rooting for him, watching him plow people. Uh, let's move on to my second up. We don't have to spend too much time on this. Um, but, you know, I, I, I thought the uh, defensive scheme was a little bit odd, but understandable. At one point, we had triple coverage on Travis Kelsey down there. Travis Kelsey was a non-factor in the game. But when you have so many people on other uh, defenders, you open it up, right? So we saw Watson. We saw Wright. Rice was just torching us, man. If they would have gotten the ball to him more, like he he was he was torching us with no blockers in front of him on some screen passes. Um, but I think the the biggest thing that we saw is we held Kansas City to zero points in the second half. And even more remarkable is we've seen this story play out. Patrick Mahomes is down by four points in a two-minute drill, has the ball at home driving down the field, and we are able to to stop him. Uh so in in my opinion, it is it's just something that you don't see a lot. Uh, Mahomes is having one of the worst years that he's ever had in his in his career. But the Eagles were able to flip the script. Our our fellow uh, friend E-Rock made something today. The, the Dallas Cowboys said they lost, but it was a moral victory. And then the Chiefs said that they can't catch. The NFL's in shambles. They don't know what to make of it because nobody wants the Eagles at 9-1. and one, And here we are. Ali, I think you almost had an instant reaction to what I said, so I'm curious on, on what your what your thought is there. You know, we know about these vintage Patrick Mahomes moments where he drives down with two minutes remaining and scores a game-winning touchdown. That almost happened if Marquez Valdez can like catches that ball, right? So Bradley Roby got torched on that play. So Granted, it's better to be lucky than good, and I'm glad we were lucky on that play, but there is an alternate universe out there where Patrick Mahomes completes that pass and the Chiefs go on to win that game. You want to know why that pass wasn't complete? Because the Chiefs had a 10-point lead at halftime. That is going to be the key when we play the Chiefs again in the Super Bowl. (laughs) We need the Eagles to be down by 10. That is the secret to winning the game between the Eagles and the Chiefs. If you're down by 10 at halftime, you will win the game. Write it down. That's how we need to script it. And also, I feel like Andy Reid just pulled the ultimate Andy Reid. He he stopped running the ball when they were having success on the ground. And in typical Andy Reid fashion, you have a good quarterback with no one to throw the ball to. So it's just like like so the fact that they scored zero points in the second half. That's a that that to me that like that's reliving the Andy Reid era a little bit because they just got away from what was helping them and uh you know we we got we got very lucky. Alex, let's let's uh let's yeah. let's get to the downs. I know yeah. uh there there was there was some ugly stuff that that happened. A lot of ugly stuff. I really thought the whole episode was really going to be focused on downs. Uh the first one that I do want to call some attention to, it is very 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 apparent that Dallas Goddard is not in our starting lineup right now and we're really hurting without him. 
We had virtually no tight end presence. Calcaterra, I don't even know if he ended up playing the full game or not, or if he went out hurt as well. It is a huge, huge red flag that that Goddard isn't into there because he's also bringing things outside of receptions that we don't see. Elite blocking, being able to set up the run lanes, being able to break open. DBs have to pay attention to him. It's really apparent that we are missing him. Um, the offense just looked totally flat. It looked like something was missing, and that, and that first piece was Dallas Goddard. And then I'm just going to get into the second one here because I'm trying to find a stat, right? And I'm sitting here looking at the game, and I'm like, it honestly felt that we were down by 21 points the entire game. Ali and I at one point were texting about Uncrustables because uh, he <laughs> makes fun of me because I like Uncrustables. He said it's a kid snack, and real people know that Uncrustables is probably too, the man. most it's the too. most elite snack there is. It's a little bit of protein, a little bit of sugar. If you're in between meals, it's it's the best snack we have. So when I when we grow up, the we... Super Bowl. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we're actually having a, an actual debate. A little bit of sugar? What? A little bit of sugar. A L- little bit of sugar. We're having an actual debate during the most anticipated and most watched Monday night football game because it just felt like the Eagles weren't in it at all. The Eagles only let in two stats. They had less turnovers and more completions per attempt. We only converted three third downs, 16 to 23 first downs, Threw for a, uh, had a over a hundred less total yards, ran twenty less plays, were sacked five times to one, were sacked for more yards, committed more penalties, and lacked in time of possession. The only stat we actually won in was the score, and that game actually felt like that. There was not a single statistic that we actually let in that entire game. And this goes back to that early Andy Reid era stuff that I was telling you about on the podcast weeks ago where I'm watching these teams going to the Super Bowl. And at the end of every single game, we actually wouldn't lead in any significant stat with this. So we did not play like a traditional 9-1 and dominating team. But the stat sheet is just showing all dots on the Chiefs side and nothing on the Eagles side. You know Very what I see, though? To me. I, see, I see Jalen Carter's name. And that's, again, that's the only that's all you need to know. They're still yeah. undefeated when Jalen Carter's when Jalen Carter's playing, yeah. um yeah i mean this goes back to the the jalen hurts interview right where he you know they're basically like hey there's nothing that you really care about except winning how did you get to that point and he was just like cold as ice it's like by losing (laughs) winning is all that matters winning is all that matters and it doesn't matter how pretty it looks the eagles have not had one pretty game so far and i think the the sports media world is starting to, to to sort of accept the fact that we continue to win despite how ugly it looks. And you've got to respect that even when everything is going against us, we are able to turn it around and and win. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I mean, that's why I love football. Like you can be you can have the worst night of your life, but somehow be on top. And I think that's the great thing. Like that was a football game. Like what we saw on Monday night was a true football game. We saw everybody's flaws, everybody's we knew everybody's strengths going into it. But seeing everybody's flaws and how how each team was struggling in, in so many different aspects that they're not used to struggling in, and still have to find a way to win, I think that's the beauty of football. To be honest, um, I, I I keep thinking about when Jalen Hurst was talking after the game and he was smiling, and I was like, "You never smile!" <laughs> like he he does not smile. And you can tell he was like really happy they came out on top against the Chiefs. So like that made me feel wholesome inside. I was like, "Okay," I said, "Jalen Hurst is feeling himself now a little bit. Like he's happy he got out of Arrowhead like with a win." But um, yeah, man. I mean. 
there's so many downs on my end that I definitely understand the statistic part of it. Um, but that's why we are who we are. I mean, we, we fight until the end. We find ways to win. Um, we can go four and out six times in a row, but that seventh time when we score is like when we actually really needed to score. Um, and that's who we are. So, I mean, I'm okay with that. I mean, I think we're battle-tested mm. to the point that when we get to the Super Bowl, we'll be a lot more prepared this time around than last time. So, so much you know, character like, just being built like that, like these wins have to build character and it also builds confidence because it's like we went out there. We definitely didn't play our best football. And yet we, mm-hmm. we just beat we just beat the former champions in their own house. So even yeah. I mean, you saw Sirianni at the end of the game. He was pumped like he he's always pumped. But there was an extra pep in his step when he was leaving Arrowhead. Yeah, Andrew, To I, I forgot the, the point that I was going to make, but the comment that you just made reminded me of something. When we think about last season and our run that we had, there wasn't that vintage moment where we got tested and came out in the end winning, right? Or, or we had to overcome some type of adversity and we came out winning. So when we faced it in the Super Bowl, it was like a foreign thing to us and we ended up losing that game. And you could argue that this entire Frankly, a lot of the games this season have been those moments where we have been battle tested. And, I, and that sort of segues into my second point, um, which is Jalen Hurts has the highest passer rating when he's down out of any yeah. quarterback in the NFL. That isn't not only it's it's not an incredible stat because you could argue that, oh, all of his stats are coming in garbage time. No, because the dude is winning. Right. So he has the highest passer rating. And one of the highest win percentages out of any quarterback when he's down. So that means that he plays his best when there is adversity. And I love it. All right, Andrew, continue the the damper moments here on the downs. All right. Well, I um I did not approve of a lot of the play calling. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Trash. Brian yeah. Brian Johnson, Awful, my, man. my my guy. Um only when the it second... works, so it's like, oh, I love, I love that QB draw. I, I knew we should have called it there. <laughs> it is so frustrating when it's like when it's a one possession game, and we need to we need to coordinate every drive like we're we're trying to march down for for a game winning drive. There, like we we lose all methodical strategy, and we try to just like it, it's just pass, pass, pass. And there's no reason for it, especially when Jalen Hurts was on his butt a lot of the game. And you had DeAndre Swift, who was making, you know, like he was making plays for you. So to, to every first down to just see the same thing. And then on top of that, screen passes to Julio Jones. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry. <laughs> Get out of here with that. What was that? What are we doing? Like, that is the only thing that we had scripted for like <laughs> 10 minutes of the game was let's just throw little, little sideline screen passes like it's freaking DeMarco Murray and try to just hope that something good's going to happen. And then when something good did happen, it was little dump offs to DeAndre Swift over the middle of the field. Brian Johnson, you got half a year, my man. Clean it up. <laughs> Clean it up. And then my other down uh, was, dude. Was Kadarius Tony covered in like WD forty? Why could they not tackle this <laughs> guy on a single punt return until the, the end of the game? And then the broadcast kept talking about the Super Bowl moments, and I am like, bro, stop Honestly, talking about it. I know, but I'm like, this dude deserves credit at this point because we can't tackle him. Why does it take a minimum of seven dudes to finally get arms on him to finally bring him to the ground? So, like, 
just a lot of really frustrating things that kind of happened in like the middle of the football game. And then at the end, I think the chiefs were, were then getting a, a heavy dose of, of letdowns from the dropped passes to, uh, you know, that th- themselves even abandoning the run and, and whatever. Um, so those are my two, man. It, it was like all this to say, like, yeah, the, the score was the only thing that we came up that, that we, that we won. And afterwards, all I could do was just be grateful. You know, we got Thanksgiving coming up and I'm just like, you know what? I don't even care. I'm not even going to try to like validate how we won this game. I'm just thankful. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. <sighs> so what do you, you know, what do you, time, think, you know, you know, you know, the last time we did those little screen passes, those side passes, the last time we did that heavy in the game was against the jets. And that's how we lost. Mm. We kept, surprise, doing surprise. Short, we kept doing a little short passes, trying to get a couple yards here and there. And I'm like, man, throw it down the field. Like there were so many times where like they did a little, quarterback sweeps what hurts i'm like no like stop you know so I, yeah i started and i do that, believe I, I, yeah like when i saw that in the game against the cheese i'm like oh god i kept getting jets flashbacks like the game from the jets i do believe that spagnola had a very very smart plan drawn up and i think he was moving players around and i think it was it was very you know they came in very prepared and they confused the heck out of us and not having dallas goddard you know that definitely played into it but um just run the ball just run the ball you know, Drew, I, I'm I'm kind of conflicted about our play calling in this game because in the first half, Jalen Hurts had five completions. I had to recount it after I, I saw that stat. He had five completions in the entire first half. We were running the ball pretty heavily, um, but, you know, to your point, Steve Spagnola had an excellent game plan coming into this game against us, sacked Jalen Hurts five times in the first half. Um, I... I credit Brian Johnson with his halftime adjustments in starting to to run more up the field screenplays to to kind of diminish some of that aggressiveness that that the Kansas City Chiefs were bringing with their blitz on their defensive line. But at the same time, some of those play calls were like, to your point, I what are we? Do- Julio Jones should never be catching the ball near the line of scrimmage, like ever. He's not going to outrun anyone. But then. You, you also look at the the long pass to Devontae Smith. To your point, Alex, that was not a Brian Johnson play call. That was a Hertz. Well, he called the audible, audible probably, though. He probably called it in the in the huddle, right? Sh- sure. But what I'm saying is, like, that was not something that Brian Johnson had drawn up. It was something that Jalen Hurts had to adjust to to get to, well, you, to get well, Devontae Smith. To, to be fair, you don't know that. Sometimes when they go into the huddle, they call two or three plays at the same time, and then we'll audible based off what the defense sees. So he, he could have very well said, hey, here's our plan B if we don't like what we see. Or you're right, Jalen Hurts did just say, hey, we're going to run this play and, and what that looks like. All of the people I've played football are probably laughing at me right now. But, you know, to, to an extent, we know some of that's true. Yeah, it's pretty much like, you know, when you're playing Madden and the computer suggests three plays and you pick one of those yeah. three plays, that's yeah. exactly how it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to go B. We're not going to go A. We're going to go B here on this. Right. <laughs> what, are your, yeah. what are your downs, Alex? Uh, well, I already gave them, so we're actually moving oh, yeah. on to the. Yeah. To, <laughs> we're actually going to be moving on. So um, I do think that there is a lot to clean up, but at the end of the day, guys, it, it does feel incredible uh, that uh, um, the Eagles are nine and one, best record in football. It takes a little bit of pressure upcoming on the rest of these few games. Um, you know, I think I had us at potentially 
two losses, maybe three losses. And it, it does feel good to know that even if we, if we do drop one, um, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're still going to be in, in pretty good contention. It is pretty interesting though. Like looking at the NFL power rankings, they finally have the Philadelphia Eagles at one. It's pretty insane to see that the Detroit lions are eight and two, and they're not very far behind us in the race for the NFC. And then the 49ers are going to be at seven and three. What does the lions, 49ers and Cowboys uh, who are also not far behind us all have in common. They all they play all on thanks. They all, well, oh. they all suck, but they all play on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I think Andrew, you said this, but it's going to be Eagles hate day uh, tomorrow when we're with our families. Cause we have three teams that we all want to lose. If we're, you know, really worried about rankings and what seating plays and, and what that looks like. A lot of with hate all, watching. with all that being said, uh, we have the next two games at home, Buffalo and the 49ers uh, let's start with you, Ali. I want to hear your thoughts on this upcoming game. Actually, no, you usually do the analytics. I want you to go last. Eric, um, Buffalo coming in here, six and five, fire the OC, 32-6 win over the Jets. Give us your thought perspective on the game and then maybe give us a score prediction at the end. Um, thought on the game, I really don't know. Like the Bills are a very wishy-washy team this year. Um, mm-hmm. One year, that, one week they look absolutely horrible and you're like what team is this and the next team next week they're throwing for 350 and throwing four touchdowns and Stefan Diggs looks amazing I, I just don't know what I don't know what Bill's team is coming into our stadium I think that's what worries me a little bit um but like I like they're six and five they have their own issues they fired their offensive coordinator like you said that's a good thing and a bad thing I mean they might shed some light I mean it was like the Raiders thing when they fired their head coach and then that the interim head coach came in and won two straight or something like that Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like, I think we, we're already, like I said, we're battle tested. We, we went against Justin Jefferson. We went against CD lamb. We went against a lot of elite receivers, especially with our DBs banged up as they are. I know we gave up a lot of yards, but, um, I can see the Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs is going to get his, he's going to get his touches. I think that's, that's a given, right? Um, but I don't, I'm not too impressed with the bills running game at all. Um, I think we can take, we can get, we can get to Josh Allen often, way more often than we did to Patrick Mahomes on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point. I, I feel good about this. I think my prediction um, is, is another Kelly Green game. You, you already know how the Kelly Green games go. That that energy is different. That stadium is going to be totally different than an average home game. So um, my my prediction is like is mm, I'm gonna say I want to say like twenty eight seventeen Eagles. Twenty eight. I, I think like eleven. Yeah, twenty eight seventeen, something like that. Cool, like Andrew. Andrew, Andrew, what do you think? Uh, so looking here, so it looks like the Eagles are currently a three and a half point favorite. Um, so being the home team again, this is like another coin flip situation, which you know Mm -hmm. I guess that makes sense considered we're in the gauntlet. So a lot of these odds are going to be pretty pretty even. Uh, you know the Bills six and five on the year, Eagles nine and one. Can't go off of that, but that does to me say that the Buffalo Bills are they're fighting for their playoff life. They are more pressure. There's a lot more pressure on them. And I think that that's going to play well for the Eagles. Uh, The Eagles have won their last seven games at Lincoln financial field. Uh, The bills have failed to cover the spread in six of their last seven games. I think it's going to be a very, it's going to be a really good atmosphere down there at the link again with, with, with the Kelly green. Um, And look, I, I think, I think the bills have a little probably a couple more weapons 
than Kansas City does, which is weird to say. But I think you know Dalton Kincaid is a really good tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabe Davis is is a tough cover, and Stephon Diggs obviously is really good. So I think Gabe Davis sucks, man. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> he's always at the tail end of a drop or a tip for an interception. I just I don't think he's good. I do, anyway, sorry. I well, guess. again, you know, the, it, not all, not all these teams can be the Eagles with two stud wide receivers. So True. it's just another example. True. Um, but he just has, you know, he's got good size. He's got good speed. So if he decides to catch the ball, it could be troublesome. Um, overall, you know, I think there's going to be a, a high scoring game uh, right now. It's at 48 and a half. I think this game goes well over 50. So give me, I think the Eagles win. Uh, I feel like the number 31 has been thrown around here a lot. I'm going to go a Eagles lot. 31, um, Eagles 31, Buffalo 26. Yeah. So here, he, there are a few indications for the Buffalo Bills that I do think actually play into the Eagles, um, like our weaknesses, you know, and, and one thing, like, let's be fair, like, I know we are making fun of Josh Allen and comparing him to Carson Wentz and whatnot. <laughs> but when the Denver Broncos beat them, it's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. The fact that they're six and five, like the Buffalo Bills are a good football team, regardless of if we think Josh Allen is, is regressing or not. The two things that I think the Bills do really well that is going to be really difficult for us is we historically don't have a good defense. Again, quarterbacks that can rush. Um, I think Josh Allen is a really good big bodied quarterback that can that is going to get his on the ground. And, you know, we, we had a really difficult time, even with Patrick Mahomes, just like like you said, Andrew, looked like he had WD-40 on him sometimes. Zach Wilson ran all over us. And I'm trying to think, but I don't think we've had a lot of other quarterbacks that are really known for their rushing ability that we that we beat this year. Well, we only lost one game. We beat everyone, but maybe you know Sam. Yeah, maybe Sam Howell uh, a little bit, but yeah, but I really wouldn't like categorize him. Yeah, he did right, and and he did run, and it was a close yeah. game, and and the, and the conditions were tough. Uh, the Bills also, again, Andrew, you you you're you're we're thinking on the same wavelength here. They utilize their tight ends a lot. We have a really difficult time against tight ends, and I don't think we're going to be triple teaming Dalton Kincaid because we will have ugh, Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs out there out there running routes to, to to be able to catch the ball. However, there is one really big stat that I do think plays well into the Eagles' favor here. Besides it being a Kelly Green game at home, the Bills have not won a road game since week three against the Commanders. So they're not a good traveling team. It's going to be a loud atmosphere. You're coming into Philly. It's going to be difficult, a lot more difficult than those soft Commanders fans that don't have a fan base. I'm convinced half of them are robots and don't aren't actual real people. Uh, so with AI. that being said, I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. Yeah, and NPCs. Uh, I'm going to say AI the generated Eagles fans. are... Yeah. All right. All right. 34. And I'm going to give the Bills at 25. I think it's going to be a, a pretty big convincing win. Uh, but that may come back at an end of like a Darius Slay pick six or something to kind of run away with it there. All right, Ali, that. Mr. Rainman, analytics, Ali Lytics. Analytics. That's a new segment name. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Similar to last game, I think this is going to be a game where uh, our pass defense really has to show up. So everything that I've seen so far in Buffalo Bills statistics um, is they're uh, one of the top 10 teams in air yards. They're one of the top 10 teams in completed air yards, and they're uh, they're actually top three in on-target throws. So when you look at Josh Allen talking about his regressions, He's actually the third best quarterback when it comes to his on-target throws out of any team that's out there right now. Um, 
The other piece that kind of worries me, and it's gonna, I think this is gonna kind of be a repeat of Monday night's game, is the Buffalo Bills have an incredibly low pressure rate on their quarterback, which is kind of surprising because when you think about Josh Allen, you don't think about him completing these like amazing passes, you think about his athletic scrambles. So seeing that low pressure rate, but Josh Allen is still continuing to scramble is an indication for me that he's not seeing the field well. And I'm hoping that our defense is able to spy him well and contain him and have him make mistakes and make him have one of those Wencian games that we know that he's capable of. Um, Their overall rush offense isn't something that generally scares me. Um, They're kind of middle of the pack in total rush yards. Their yards before contact is middle of the pack, but they're actually uh, top five within their yards after contact. So I'm I'm hopeful that our defense is able to hold strong um, and not show up like we did in the first half of the Kansas City game when, for whatever reason, we can stop Isaiah Pacheco. But what I see this game turning into is, frankly, another Jalen Hurts taking over the game. Um, their pass defense, while not bad, uh, has shown that it is a little suspect against uh, against passing touchdowns. So I expect that this is going to be a Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith game. Um, one of the things that we said earlier on in the segment when we were talking about Kansas City and how we missed Dallas Goddard, one of the things I'm really hopeful because Dallas Goddard is not on IR, so he could be back, frankly, at any moment. He's obviously not going to be back for the Buffalo Bills game. But I do think that this is going to have to be a game where Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown show up um, like they have all season. So all of this to say, my score prediction at the end of this game, I do think this is going to be another close game. I do think we're going to be down for a majority of this game, but pull it out at the end, similar to Kansas City. I've got the Eagles 35, the Buffalo Bills 27. Awesome. Fireworks, I like baby. That. Fireworks. I like that. And we all, we all have a pretty convincing win, too. It's not like a one or two point game field goal or whatever, so that's good. All right, guys. Uh, Andrew, explain swinging it. Send us home. Swinging it. Underdog picks for the week. All right. What up, swingers? Let's uh, let's pick some underdogs. How does the game work? Obviously, it's a very simple game. Very simple. Uh, you're just going to pick an underdog, a team that is not expected to win. And if they do win, then you get the number of points that that team is receiving in the spread. So we're going to do a quick recap here. Uh, I think for this is the second straight week that we went over. So all four of us, again, uh, couldn't buy a win. Yep, the last week, uh, Dalton took the Bengals. They lost on Thursday night. Alex, you took the Jets. They got destroyed by the Bills. Uh, <laughs> Ali, Ali, you took the Vikings, who should have actually, it looked like they were going to beat the Broncos. Uh, that was a primetime game. I can't remember which night it was. And then I, yeah, I took the Cardinals, uh, who couldn't beat the Texans. The Texans are good. So anyway, uh, just yeah, it is weird. It, it is definitely weird. So uh, Ali still in the lead with 25. Alex has 17 and a half. Uh, the audience has 14 and I have 11. So Eric, send it to you first. You have a chance to overtake Alex. You have maybe a possible chance of getting of, of overtaking Ali, depending on how crazy you get here. But mm. who's your underdog pick, my friend? I have two, but I'm gonna go with the main one. It's really hard to pick between these two. I, th- I think the other one's biased because I don't want the Cowboys to win, so I'm not going to mm. do that one. Um, I got the Seahawks over the Niners. No! I, I love it. I dang it. love that pick, dude. 
I think I think the Seahawks has what it takes to beat them. I think the Niners Fork. are still hit or miss a little bit. Um, I want to see the Niners. I, I want to see the, the Seahawks just upset everybody, let show the world that they already they're playoff ready, and and you got to watch out for them in the playoffs. So G- I got Gino the Seahawks over the Niners. Man. Yeah, I love I love that pick, Eric. I totally agree with you. I think the Niners have a lot more to prove. Seahawks are going to be coming in there, letting it fly, doing what they need to do. Sorry, it's not my pick. I just love it so much. I just want to talk about it some more. And the I'm pick glad is, you and like the pick. it. I'm devastated. And the game is in Seattle too. People are forgetting about that. It's in Seattle. So, wow, Seattle prime time Thanksgiving night against a division rival as a heavy underdog. Come on, Eric. Oh, the script. Yep. Love the script. It's a great. It's a great pick, man. You, you know, Thank I love you. a good narrative, and that's that had everything that I wanted to be a part of. Uh, and like, I'm feeling like I want some action tomorrow. Like I, I want some voting rights here. So like, do I go commanders over the Cowboys? The commanders just lost to the giants. So science would say the commanders suck, but that's not how the NFL works. The most confusing, stupid nonsense happens every week. So I'm going to take the commanders over the Cowboys. Ah, damn, oh my God. I, I wanted that one. We all wanted it. This, you know, Sam that's now. what we get, Eric, or, you know, at least as audience representation, when you're, when you're in the bottom of the rankings, you get to choose first and it finally pays off. Hopefully. Uh, you, you, you know what, Drew? I like love that. that pick. This is the typical time when Dallas will lose this game. Big, big favorite on Thanksgiving. We've seen it happen before. I forget. I think it was the Raiders last year, or maybe it was, maybe it was the year before that. Watching with the family, everyone's fat and happy on some turkey. <laughs> Watching Dallas lose. I have chills, honestly, thinking about that. The Eagles being 9-1. and one. The Cowboys complaining about the, uh, the, the the Chiefs losing to the Eagles and then them losing. It would just be um, ah, chef's kiss. Come on, Sam. You can do it. You played Yo, the Eagles random, so well. Just do it against the Cowboys, too. It's the same thing. Random side note. I think we're the only fan base that talks smack on the Cowboys any given day. Like... <laughs> So or on, on our on our rival, like we, like I was watching the after the post game show for Kansas City, and you hear the people in the stands. Dallas like, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, bro, we played them in like four weeks. Like, I love it. All right, so for my underdog pick, you guys actually took both of them. If if uh, the Washington was going to be there, I was going to take it. And then the forty nine uh, Seattle over forty nine ers was my second one. This one's like not sexy. These are just two really bad teams. I'm surprised the spread is as big as it is. Uh, give me the Carolina Panthers plus four at the Tennessee Titans. Ali is hurting. He's going to have to take like one of these one and a half point uh, spreads here. Uh, Sunday, one o'clock game. Probably won't be watching it at all. I'll probably be down at the stadium getting ready to, to go into the Eagles game. Um, not very exciting. I'm actually just going to stop talking about it and uh, <laughs> let Ali figure it out. And boom, Carolina plus four. Yeah, you guys, you guys should just continue talking while I completely revisit <laughs> everything here. Um, As another tear starts to roll down your your second eye. Yes, yes. You know what? Give me the bill. No, I'm just kidding. No, don't give me the bills. Never <laughs> bet against the, the family. Never, never, right. give, yep. never bet Joe. against the family. Um, you know what? Give me the, the New England Patriots at the New York Giants. Plus three and a half points for the mm. Giants. I think uh, Mac Jones is pretty terrible. Two in a row. You think the Giants are wow. able to win two games in a row, huh? Without Daniel Jones, are. anything is possible <laughs> with the New York Giants. <laughs> yeah, all right, Eric. Good this past week. Yeah, he did. He, he did, did look, look good. Um, all right, Eric. It's kind of been like our new tradition where our guests are sending us home. So this has been episode 71. Why don't you close us out? Pressure. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Um, 
<laughs> Shout out to y'all, man. Winging it podcast. Um, I appreciate y'all for having me. Um, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy your time with your family. You know what I'm saying? Um, tis the season and, you know, F the Cowboys. <laughs> go birds. Cowboys, go birds. Go birds. <laughs>